0: Imagine how it would feel to go into labor confident that it's going to be a calm and beautiful process. Hi, I'm Steph and this is the Original Design podcast. Wherever you plan to birth, this podcast can help you prepare more deeply for your labor. In each episode, you'll hear uplifting birth stories from amazing women. When they share their stories, you witness through your mirror neurons on a subconscious level that your authentic desires for birth are possible too. And it builds faith, especially when they share about their upbringing and any obstacles that they overcame along the way so by tuning into this podcast you're expanding your belief in your ability to birth and by pressing play you've already started the process of living out your original design if you enjoy this episode please take a moment to leave a review comment and share it with a friend that's struggling or could really benefit from the information you're about to hear Welcome back to the Original Design Podcast. I'm here with my friend Danny and we're gonna chat today about her birth. Hey Danny, how are you going? Good, Steph, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Um so I would love to hear about your birth uh, with River, your daughter. Um Great. And so um when we were speaking before you um you said you actually ended up having a free birth um you plan to have a home birth and your midwife didn't arrive in time (laughs) that's right yeah that's so awesome um so i'd love just um if you gave me a little bit of um background about um you and jace and um a little bit about i guess the you know the parenting journey you guys have been on and um and what you were believing for for um for river's birth because she's obviously um your third Child, so mm-hmm. yeah, give me a bit of context.
1: Sure, thanks, Steph. It's an honour. Um, well, we're a, we're a, um, a Christian family, and uh, so a Bible believing family. And um, when we had our first child, Jer, um, eight almost eight years ago now, we were really at the the forefront of a new, uh, paving a new way. We we didn't know anybody who had done what we wanted to do um, in terms of child rearing, in terms of, um, as I say, sort of paving a new way. And what does that look like? Well, that looked like a supernatural childbirth. Um, God began to impart into my heart that there was another way. And by another way, I mean, you know, everything. He just kind of took everything that we'd ever thought or known and just sort of smashed it to pieces and then rebuilt it. And it was such a beautiful and painful process in terms of really surrendering to Jesus and, and what he was telling us to do and how to parent. So, um, I began by, um, when, when we conceived Jer, um, a, a sort of a, a, an out of the blue person said, have you looked at our uh, supernatural childbirth this book by Jackie Mize? And I just sort of went, no, have no idea. I already knew that fear was not an option for us and our journey. So I began to look at scripture, and as I say, I didn't know anybody else who had done it. The internet wasn't really thriving in terms of social media and influence with things like Empowered Birth eight years ago. Mm. So it was very much a, a new um, new ground to cover. And I read Jackie Meyer's uh, book and from there began this kind of undoing and, um, a- and release into this whole new way of thinking and mindset around, around birth and child rearing. So that was really exciting. That's sort of where it began. And then fast forward. And I read more books when our second child came along and the journey was different across the eight years with the three different children. But ultimately what happened was we began to see that God placed, um, you know, of course, he places value on us, but there, I just felt I could not shake this this urge that that our story was to really place a value upon family and upon mm-hmm. um, raising children in a way that really focused on grace and love and connection, um, which, you know, is really different to a lot of the conventional ways of parenting that we might be used to or even encounter in our Christian circles. And that sort of looked like God providing resource and, and things coming out of the dark and into the light in terms of how to engage with our children and raise them. And it's just been such a beautiful process.
0: Mm, that's wonderful. Thank you. Um, it sounds like um, the process of birthing and child rearing, it's all actually in the same vein. It's almost as though you don't see them as separate absolutely yeah that they're all grounded in the same values um would you talk a little bit about you know about your um your values and what you were specifically believing for um for your births you know supernatural but for what and and you know and and obviously fear wasn't an option for you but but a few Mm. maybe specifics for the listeners Mm.
1: sure so beginning with our firstborn um I, I knew that I had to combat fear because all the stories, let's be honest, let's say even 99% of the stories that you hear are fear-based surrounding childbirth and even child-rearing, you know, the terrible twos, all of these labels and terms that are sort of placed into um, the, the parenthood journey. And from the outset, I knew that that accepting those Uh, norms and and sort of cultural trances was not going to sit well with us. Um, I knew that God was calling us to a higher standard or a a different way. And um, so in terms of combating fear, I really need to immerse myself in scripture. So I would look up every scripture that talked about fear and every scripture that talked about what to do with fear. And from that rose up a new conditioning in my mind and in my spirit around faith and what happened was God showed me in scripture that the more faith I have the more love in terms of my relationship with Jesus the less fear I would have and what I began to learn from books like um, childbirth without fear by Grantley Dickery which is a a bit of a classic Mm. um, was that the more and I don't think I don't believe that's a Christian text but God used that to show me that physiologically if I, if I don't give in to fear, if I prepare my mind and my heart for what I want from the outset, then fear has no place. And, and then um, furthermore, that physiologically my body would actually do what it was created to do. And there was this real aha moment where I began to see social norms of childbirth and screaming and pain and trauma fade into a distant memory and really embrace this new thing that God was showing me. And and again, at the time, nobody else was doing it. You know, I had heard of a, a Christian family where the mum birthed all three babies without pain and and people just thought it was weird, you know, but I just sort of thought, you know, the God I, I love, the Jesus that I know, this just really, this sounds like him. This sounds really radical. This sounds cool. And thankfully he wouldn't let us go and he kept us on that path. Mm. So in terms of birth, um, building up faith and rebuking fear and deciding from the outset that I was going to have a positive outcome was probably the the catalyst for the the story. Mm. Um, And from there, um, God in his grace just opened up just connections with other people who were parenting their children in a way that, that really quickened our, our hearts. It really quickened, you know, almost the Holy spirit inside of us and we became alive and, and saw children thriving in an environment where connection was actually the most important thing. Connection between child and parent connection as a family, respect for um, each other. And, um, you know, that comes with a, a whole lot of um, interesting consequence in terms of people looking in on your family dynamic and having judgment on that. But, you know, when God's in something, you just, you can't question it. You know that you know that this is what he wants for you and your family, and I'm really grateful for that journey for us.
0: Mm, that's beautiful. I actually have a question about that. Um, so what was it like for you to balance um the the need to have privacy you know you're pioneering something and Mm. sometimes it requires that um that really sacred inner world to be sort of undisturbed and not have those external voices of judgment you know kind of polluting the waters um you know so there's there's that aspect but then there's also the aspect where you know we all have extended family we all have you know friends and and networks and people that, you know, make inquiries about the path that we're on. And, you know, so for you, um, yeah. you know, with, with birth, um, what was it, what did it look like for you to kind of, um, you know, toe the line there and, put pr- you know, protect mm-hmm. your heart but also be open-hearted and transparent, mm-hmm. which I know is a value of yours. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh,
1: Steph, awesome question. You're good at this. <laughs> <laughs> um. I think one of my, um, real heart desires in my journey of motherhood has been to empower other young moms, particularly in Christian circles, because I see that, um, our journey in itself was a very lonely journey, um, really kind of tragic in some ways in terms of we did lose a lot of people in those early years we were very firmly planted in a local church and we were really invested there um in ministry and leadership and it was just such a beautiful um scenario and then when we became parents there were very strong opinions around what ministry would look like for us and an expectation around that now um I think one of the most difficult things as a parent is seeing where your heart lies in terms of choices for your family. And of course, looking at these opinions from people that you trust and love and trying to find the happy place, trying to find where you actually fit. And I think the thing for us has always been, um, okay, let's sit together And let's really seek Jesus about this thing. And when we did that, every time our heart, you know, our instinct, I I call it a God-given instinct because I believe it's physiological instinct and I believe it's Holy Spirit um, sort of conviction too. And when that meets in a place where you know that you know that you want to do this thing with your baby or your family, then Those opinions and beliefs of others really have to come under that. And that does take trust in God. That does take a real trust in Jesus. But again, you know, surrounding yourself with scripture that reaffirms what you're working toward and also finding people who accept you and believe in what you're doing is so important. And sometimes that does look like a new season with new people and stepping into, um, a new kind of faith. But with that comes anointing, I believe, when you're following what God wants you to do. Mm, that's beautiful,
0: yeah. And it sounds like you and Jace really had a unity in that, that you really knew what you guys were both collaboratively um, believing for and agreeing in. And yeah. even if those external voices were different, it sounds like you you guys were able to sit with the Holy Spirit and really find that, you know, that centre, I would say. yeah. 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 Really cool.
1: yeah. And and I think that that's, you know, and in, in, in birth and in child rearing and in family life, it is so important to be unified together as a couple. You know, your your children, our babies and our children are relying on us to be their, their voice. They don't have anybody else. Um, and, and that's, that's a real responsibility. You know, we don't take that lightly. So. Mm. and.
0: I actually just want to ask as well so you know for river's birth like what what did you want her to experience um i'm not sure if you knew if it was you know if you were having river and if it was a girl or if she'd been named mm-hmm. but but that baby that you had inside of you at that time why did you choose the birth that you you know that you had what mm. what experience did you want for her and, and for the two of you
1: Mm, Good question. Mm. So the story with my two sons before River, I had two hospital births. Um, My first son, um, I'd been believing for, you know, a really supernatural experience and a blessed experience and and limited to no pain, etc., I want to say that I was probably 70% there. It was, it was awesome. It was five hours, but I still transferred to hospital. And during that time, it kind of fell apart because my birth space was disrupted. And um, we got to hospital and he was essentially born there. Like they just couldn't believe it. Um, and just kind of honing in on that experience, the midwife did say to me, how on earth, this is your first baby. We didn't believe that you were so far along. We didn't believe that the head was crowning um how did you do that and the words came out of my mouth i am a christian and i believed that it would be so you know and i kind of look back on that and go yes you go you because i wasn't actually that confident with my firstborn that journey came afterwards um then when my second son came along we had a lot of family stress at the time Mm -hmm. and i guess that's another big thing for me is that if you're pregnant and um and and um And certainly near the time of of expecting baby, that really protecting that space emotionally and physically is so important because we allowed certain influences to come in to that time and my body just wasn't relaxing. And that kind of felt like a bit of a failure for me. I remember the sun rising on the morning that they wanted to induce me at the hospital And even though I was with, um, I was in midwifery care, so I've never been in conventional mainstream um, hospital care. I've always had a midwife in the hospital, which is great, Um, but I was still susceptible to hospital policy. So I um, refused to go in and um, I don't want to shed too much light on it, but the, um, the, the people in charge basically said, we, we need you to come in. You're obligated to come in, you know, and it wasn't until later on that I realized that I actually could have made that choice, but I assumed that, um, you know, it's a very emotional time when you're at due, due time, due weeks. I don't like to say due date, but due weeks, due months. And so I did go in and that was an induced labor, um, that, labor was only two hours, praise Jesus. It was so blessed. It was intense, but I did it and I did it really well. And, and I know that it was because that I didn't, I didn't fear. I handed that over to Jesus, but I left that birth experience feeling like I'd been robbed Mm -hmm. and people would say to me, but you have a healthy baby and you're healthy and you didn't tear and you did it quickly. And, and I would say, thank you for that but my heart knows that it was supposed to be different and so I think I went through a time after Noah my second baby where I really grieved the birth that I knew I could have had and so when I can see when we conceived River our daughter we didn't know that she was a girl and that whole pregnancy was about combating fear in a different realm um Noah went you know, two weeks, they say two weeks over. Who knows? I, I don't believe that it was two weeks over, but that was the context that ended up with, you know, the, the induction in hospital. Um, so there was fear around that with, with this next baby. So I had to combat that. And I decided that I would take back my power and I would have this baby at home. Now you know, in terms of opinions and judgments from others, oh my goodness, there were many and varied, I can tell you. (laughs) (laughs) And there was a lot of fear mongering. There was, from really close family members, there was a lot of, well, what happens if? Mm. And thankfully, we had learnt by then that You know, you don't necessarily need to explain yourself, but if you have a really smart, quick response, you can often silence people fairly well. And we would say, oh, we're having a home birth, yes, but we're booked in at the hospital, which was the truth. You know, we were booked in should anything need to um, happen. So I um, began fellowshipping at a new church and worship was really, it's just where I needed to be. It's my love language with Jesus. And when I'm immersed in worship, I'm really immersed in that place that that's like the closest thing to heaven on earth for me. And I felt the Holy Spirit very tangibly say to me, this baby loves worship. Mm-hmm. And when I got amongst worship, this baby would kick and move inside of me. And that was so exciting because I was a worship leader. So that was really, really terrific. And then one meeting, this beautiful lady was preaching and and. You know, it was just something about the Garden of Eden and she was talking about these rivers in the Garden of Eden bringing life to the garden. And you know when something quickens inside of you and you're supposed to sit up and listen. And I sat up and listened and God said, River. And this name just kept going over and over in my heart. And I went home and I said to my husband, we don't know whether this baby is a boy or a girl. I, to be honest, I was expecting a third boy because we were such a – you know a vivacious boy family we do, we do boys really well <laughs> <laughs> and so the idea of a girl i don't know whether i really allowed myself to go there fully i just expected that perhaps this would be a third boy and that would be who we were mm. and this name river wouldn't go away and the funny thing was we couldn't pick a boy name river was more of a a, a girl name in my heart when this had been planted mm. So we told our firstborn, he's a very perceptive boy, and he just kind of grasped it. We had one other name that we were thinking of for a girl. And then when she was born and we discovered that she was, in fact, a she, it was Jer, our firstborn, that declared her name is River. <laughs> and the funny thing is, in a family of brown eyed, brown haired people, she came out with really vibrant blue eyes. So, you know, I want to say that what a mother feels and, and hears in pregnancy really, I think, is very important. And we've always prayed over our baby's names. We prayed for them. They have Hebrew meanings. Um, river represents the river of life and that she would bring a river of life into our family. And, um, you know, from the outset, I believe if we invite God into the process and into the naming and into birth and most certainly child rearing, he does come through and it's just better than we could ever imagine.
0: Mm. Wow. That's so wonderful. <laughs> oh my goodness. You are just a treasure trove. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Um okay, so let's let's shift gears into um the the day that you went into labor,
1: mm-hmm.
0: do you remember the day? What was it, what was it like? What were you, what were you doing? What was, um? what was the birth space like? Mm-hmm. Yeah, tell me, tell me all of it.
1: It was the most disorganized day I think of my life. <laughs> um, I think I'd been, I'd been working so hard on not fearing, but I was really relaxed. Probably too <laughs> relaxed. Nothing planned for dinner. That's very unusual for me. Um, We'd stayed home. I, you know, they like to give you a due date and I don't really sign up to that, but we knew that it was around this particular weekend and the weekend had come and gone. And of course, little niggles want to say, oh, you're going to go overdue. You're going to, you're going to end up in hospital. And so I was spending a fair bit of mental capacity, um, just really responding to those inner voices and, and, and refusing to accept them. And so we got to about Tuesday and we had this, the boys and I just had this beautiful day at home, just kind of lazing about. And around two o'clock in the afternoon, I felt these sort of tightenings and we were sitting in the backyard in the sunshine, all very whimsical and lovely. And I'm like, what, what are these now? I have to say, I really do believe that if you if you don't focus on all the the scaremongering around birth, you can be having contractions and have no idea that you're having them. And that's what I was experiencing. (laughs) So I was so relaxed that I sort of looked down and I saw my tummy tightening and I kind of went, that's weird. What is that? And I messaged my husband at work and said, I think, I just think something might be going on, but I really don't know. So I'm just going to keep chilling out. And he was like, okay, babe, just let me know how it goes. By about four o'clock, I'd noticed that they were quicker, They were coming a little bit more quickly. Mm-hmm. So I said, I'm just letting you know, I've got nothing prepared for dinner and we have no groceries. Would you <laughs> mind swinging by the <laughs> shops and grabbing a few things on your way home? So the poor guy, <laughs> he did that. So by the time he got to me at around 5.30, 5 o'clock, 5.30, he had some lamb chops for dinner. He walks in, nothing has been done. The house is a mess, but we're all happy. And um, I'd called my midwife and the funny thing is you you know your body the best because the midwife said, oh, look, we might have a baby, you know, later in the night. And I just knew inside that baby was going to be coming soon. But for some reason I didn't say so. And I I, I might, if I forget, make sure I come back to that because I think that was an instinctual thing. Mm. But carrying on, Jace cooked dinner. He bathed the boys and I went and laid down from the time of laying down and really relaxing because another parent was in the house and my mother-in-law was there by that time. She was helping with the boys. Um, I had a playlist picked for a long time and I knew that worship would be a part of River's birth. Not that I knew that River was River, but this baby's birth. So I began listening to worship music and really releasing myself in that space of worship just laying on the bed chilling out the kids were coming in and going out and by that time the contractions were certainly there but i still like i wasn't in pain they weren't hurting nothing like that in about the space of an hour i went from so i want to say that that active labor was only an hour I went from laying there, chilling out. I think I even posted on Instagram, which is totally crazy, but I just posted this very, like no one knew. It was like a creative thing for me to do, to be like, this baby's coming. But it was like some random post about loving pregnancy, you know. So I did that and then I felt my body say, you need to go to the toilet. And what happened? We had a movement, (laughs) a bowel movement come on so that was that was really interesting to me my instincts were really sort of kicking in and telling me what i needed Mm. so i went and i did that and on the toilet my hands hit either side of the walls all of a sudden and there was one almighty tightening and my mind went you got to get there quicker you you got to get to that space you know that that place of that other place that i know that i need to get to to do this well Mm -hmm. And that's a place of no fear. That's a place of focusing on Jesus and focusing on scripture and you know, all of the things that I prepared um, for. So I got up and I went and I um, obviously washed my hands and started sweeping the floor. And I felt my body say, just sway. And so I swayed. Now, this is really different to my other births. Jair, I spent the entire night in bed. It was five hours, but I was in bed the whole time. And very peaceful, but I, I really didn't move. Noah was in the hospital, and I was on a, a bouncy ball because obviously I was strung up to to all sorts of gizmos and you know monitoring. And so again, that was that was different. This was really you know very um, I want to say sensual, but in the sense of my body and its movements really in tune with what baby needed. Mm. So I then. By this point, I'd mentioned there was a really strong contraction in the toilet. There's another really strong contraction holding this broom. And, and the surroundings at the time was my mother-in-law and my husband and the, and the boys fussing around dinner and lamb chops cooking and all this stuff going on. But I was separate from that. I felt my mind saying, you've got to get into that worship space, Danny, and you've got to do it quick. So I went into the lounge room and I put my earphones in again And I sat there on the rocking chair and I just rocked back and forth. Now, that birth space in my lounge room had bunting hung up that I'd written key scriptures on. And some of those key scriptures, um, for the sake of other expecting women listening, Mm. um, some of those were um, Exodus one nineteen: The Hebrew women gave birth vigorously and quickly before the midwives arrived. Isaiah 41.10, don't be afraid, I am with you. I will strengthen you and I will help you and I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Isaiah 26, verse 3 to 4, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, whose minds and thoughts are fixed on you. So these scriptures, I'm reading them, I'm looking at them and I have another really strong contraction. And I'm listening to this worship music and I feel my body say, so, you know, we're talking, this is all in the space of an hour. This is all happening really quickly. My mind says to me, almost as though the Holy Spirit said, this baby is coming quickly. You don't have time to prepare. You just have to do your best, you know, prepare anymore. Mm. And I remember kind of going, whoa, I don't get a say in this. And what I realize in, in, in reflection of that moment is that, I really had convinced my mind so much that birth, that if I if I submitted to the natural process of birth and didn't fight my body, um, that my body would do its work without interference from my mind. And that's exactly what was happening. But it was happening too quickly. <laughs> <laughs> it was working too well. <laughs> it was working too well. And you know that... That was just such a blessing to me because of my last birth. You know, this was working and this was this was really giving me some power back. Mm. And so all of a sudden, I'm jolted out of the rocking chair onto the floor. I'm on all fours, on my lounge room floor. I've got my worship music playing. And my my waters just explode all over the floor. And my mind is trying to catch up because my, my mind is disassociated from my uterus. Mm. So I'm allowing my, my uterus to do its job. So my mind has gone, whoa, my waters have just exploded. So I've yelled at my husband, my waters have gone. And now we had a birth pool. The birth pool was not set up. So I, I see him kind of in this blurry realm that I'm in, rush in and start trying to get this birth pool set up. And, and all of a sudden my, my two sons feet are underneath my, you know, I'm on my all fours. I see them underneath my face. And I hear a little voice say, is the baby coming, mummy? Mm-hmm. And thank God I had enough grace to say, yes, honey, the baby is coming. And then an almighty contraction. So we're probably up to number four now. There really weren't that many. I think I think this was the last one before she came. And I just remember crying out to Jesus so I don't make a lot of noise in birth I understand that if I'm relaxed that I can just breathe and I can I think I was singing at one point from memory was singing worship songs and all of a sudden I let out this Jesus Jesus you know and I think I said his name four times as though it's you and I Jesus right now it's on I need you and I, I put my hand down and I felt this head And again, my mind was trying to catch up and it said, it's happening. And my husband said, sort of in a fuzzy way, he pulled the earphone out of my ear and I was really annoyed about that. (laughs) (laughs) He pulled the earphone out and he goes, I need you to lean back. And I grabbed the earphone and shoved it back in my ear and I was high as a kite on worship. (laughs) And I, as I was leaning back, I felt her wanting to come and I knew that I needed to just try and not hold her in, but breathe through that. So I kind of went and just breathed so that I wasn't controlling what was happening down there. I wasn't pushing. And as I moved my leg back picture two little children in the lounge room with their grandmother, a father sitting right in front of this spread, legged woman still on my feet but you know I've I've moved back now and my hands are behind me and she just slid it out there was there was no push she just like from the crowning to the tip of her toes slid out (laughs) and and we all just we all just went what (laughs) I beg your pardon I thought there was more to this this was just too quick yeah and, you know, praise God, she was born on the living room floor and um, I don't think there's a day that goes by that I don't look at that spot and just, just think, um, Jesus, you and I did that together. You know, I didn't even have my husband there for the most part. He, he certainly caught her, but it was Jesus and I that did that and um, and coming back to what I was saying earlier. But the gift of empowerment that that gave me as a woman and as a mother will stay with me for the rest of my life. Mm. Wow, and can you just run me
0: through the exact position you were in? How, how, so you were on all fours, and then so on all fours, you shifted. The yeah, yeah, and then you shifted back.
1: Yeah, Yeah. so my husband was actually on the phone to the midwife who was madly trying to get there. And, of course, she didn't arrive in time. So she was a – River was a free birth. But the midwife had said, I need to see – I need you to get down and see how far out this baby's head is. And Jason couldn't see because I was ignoring him. I was high enough. (laughs) So when he pulled the earphone out, he said, I need you to um, move back, Mm. essentially, so that I can see underneath. Mm. Mm. And as I moved back, if you picture, I've gone off my all fours and I'm on my knees and I'm rocking back and I've put my arm behind me and I've lifted my right leg out. Yes. Forward. And somehow that was the magic movement. That was it. (laughs) It was like a water slide.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's brilliant. Woohoo. (laughs)
1: <laughs> but I, and the funny thing is, I mean, we, we really like to laugh in our family. We, we tell a lot of jokes and I, I kind of looked over, I had this beautiful baby in my arms. I didn't even have time to get my top off. And I was like, you know, this, this baby needs to be on my skin. Get this clothing off me. Um, I, I didn't mention that of course I'd had to take my pants off after I got off the rocking chair. It was like this primal urge, just get these pants off. So, you know, again, <laughs> just listening to your instincts and trusting what your body wants to do is so important. But I remember looking, I'm sitting on the floor now and I'm looking at the birth pool still filling up with water and I've gone, no, (laughs) I missed out again, a third time on not having the birth pool. (laughs) Um, But I can, I can tell you that I got to birth a placenta in the birth pool. So that was something. (laughs) I I picked up River off the floor and I went and I sat in that darn pool while it was filling up with (laughs) this baby. That cost me another $200, I might add, <laughs> because I used the pool. <laughs> but it was worth it. Oh, <laughs> uh, it was so worth it. Oh, yeah. that's so funny.
0: Yeah. And was there a little piece that you mentioned um, earlier, um, that you, listening to your intuition and that real inner inner voice, did you cover mm-hmm. that? You, you wanted to come back to that little piece.
1: I think where I was going was that my husband wasn't a part of this process. I think it's really important to say that because he was a really strong part of the other two boys' births. Uh, like he was like a midwife in both of those births. He was just phenomenal. And that was really beautiful for us um, for such a long time. But this birth was different. This was from the, the get-go to the end, this was me and Jesus. Mm. And I think I just wanted to highlight that mm. that, that this is – your, your birth support and your partner, you know, from, from conception, from, from love making right through child rearing, you know, it's all in one and intimacy and connection and closeness. It's all wrapped up in itself. But when you really understand childbirth in the way that God designed it, not that we ended up this way, but that it was designed this way, and when you grab hold of what he intended it to be, in terms of um, the closest thing, really, that the closest portal between heaven and earth, besides probably intimate moments of worship, mm-hmm. um, that's, I think, the most one, just one of the most empowering things I've ever experienced. Because I look at River now, and and I, I kind of look at her and I go, you you your experience, your birth, I felt like it gave me back empowerment. It gave me back something that I lost mm. in the hospital experiences. I felt like something was wrong mm. there. Mm. Whereas this whole experience was just so empowering. Mm.
0: That's so wonderful. Um, mm. And I actually just want to briefly touch on, you know, um, that, you know, obviously people can choose, you know, to have a home birth, have a free birth, or have a hospital birth. Are there mm-hmm. any thoughts you have on, you know, that there, there are still, you know, lots of, lots of women and lots of the listeners, you know, of this podcast that, that, that will have hospital birth and that, you know, desire to have a beautiful outcome. Sure. How would you recommend people go about, um, you know, gathering themselves and, you know, and, um, you know, and, mm. and, and staying empowered in, in that space, you know, kind of like mm. being able to stay empowered no matter what the birth location Mm, mm. Mm. that's a great
1: conversation yeah. and that's conversations that i wish every female would be having with her sisters and mother and aunties but yeah. you know maybe one day when our culture starts um experiencing more empowered birth we can be having those conversations more prevalently yeah um but i would say
0: mm, oh i was just going to say it, another way to frame it what would you say to your younger self
1: oh that's a beautiful question isn't it gosh um I would say going into the the hospital setting because I think it's important to say too. When my second son came along, um, it, it's it, it can sound heavy, but it's part of the journey of how we ended up home birthing. Um, we had had a miscarriage between the two boys, and when when I conceived that that baby in between the boys, we went and saw the midwife that we had for River, and she was the midwife that discovered that we had lost this baby and um you know that was a different time a different season different circumstances and so when i conceived noah in a way i actually punished myself which sounds really tragic but i decided that i couldn't go back and see her because it it would be like a trigger to that experience and so i decided to go through the hospital system Mm. Um, now, I didn't punish myself by going through the hospital system because we still had a really great birth in the hospital. It's just that hospital policy kind of got in the way of some of my preferred choices. So I think in answering that, if I could go back, I would cultivate, um, I would spend time really cultivating uh, um, a mindset of empowerment, I would work hard at building myself up and connecting with, you know, my husband and going into that birth space, knowing, you know, who I am, what it is that I want, um, who it is that I, I worship and really, you know, just going in there with a really positive Headspace because they're a beautiful, beautiful hospital birth. Like my two boys' births were still really beautiful. Um, it's just that I, I learned that a hospital wasn't the place that I felt most comfortable. It was, it was a bit disruptive to my um, you know, my birthing process. So I think build yourself up. It's so important to um read scripture, take, oh my gosh, with Noah's birth, I actually took in this giant framed picture of a painting of a mother and a baby. It's It was huge. And I took it in and said, I need to put this up. <laughs> and they were like, okay, that's the most random thing we've ever had in here. Like we carried <laughs> it in the car park, it was ginormous. And it was this beautiful portrayed picture of, of a painting of a mother and child at the breast. And I'm a visual person, so I looked at that. That was my desired outcome. That's what I was having at the end of this. So do whatever it takes to put that picture that thought that motivation at the forefront of your mind so that you're so renewed in your thinking to what you want that that there's an aura around you you know you go in there with confidence and you go in there knowing that you're you're empowered
0: mm-hmm.
1: does that make sense mm-hmm. yeah it really
0: does that's really great yeah mm-hmm. absolutely um, and tell me a little bit about the postpartum journey for you with River. So sure. um, maybe, you know, like those first few months, those first, say, three months. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, yeah, and what, what, obviously, you know, you had the other you had the boys. Um, yeah. What was the physical healing journey like for you? Um, you know, re- mm. reintegrating her into your sense of, um, you know, the sense of this is our family now
1: um you know all of all of those kinds of things breastfeeding like all all of Mm -hmm. that yeah Mm. that's a really interesting topic postpartum because i think it's something that's really overlooked we prepare for we spend a lot of time talking about um childbirth however that's done whether that's empowering or perhaps you know hospital classes and there's not a lot of talk around necessarily empowerment but factual stuff that happens so we we seem to prepare a lot birth and then you get home and you have this baby and i think i really believe that we see a lot of mums struggle in those early months because everyone wants to come visit the mum in for heaven's sakes like the first 24 hours and then everyone drops off a present you know brightly colored presents clothing and so on and then they disappear mm. my understanding from baby 1 to baby 3 is that um you know jumping back on the the bandwagon and going out and about and having loads of people come ended up with me having mastitis really severe mastitis at day nine with baby jare so i learned early on that you know what i'm not i'm not going to prove myself to anybody i just need to be at home i did a bit more reading across the different babies and understood that culture groups um all over the world room in they they don't do a lot they You know, they some cultures have a rally come and stay like a mother-in-law. Well, we didn't have that benefit, but we did ensure that Jace had time off work so that he could help me with the other children. And I did ensure that I did a big cook-up, like loaded the freezer so that I didn't have to think about food. And so what River's postpartum period looked like was an awful lot of bonding. I don't want to say awful, really, because it was just tremendous. A lot of bonding, a lot of staying in bed. A lot of the little boys hopping in and cuddling and, um, you know, we're a safe co-sleeping co- family. We baby wear. So baby was just always with me. And that that compared to our experience with Jer where we did the you should, you know, you should have baby doing this, that and the other. It was mm. just such a beautiful process. It was so natural, you know. Um, we weren't sitting up at night rocking this bassinet trying to get this crying baby to go to sleep. Um, the baby was just sleeping because she was happy and she was close to us. Mm. So postpartum for me looked like only closest family coming to visit when I was ready. And I honestly wish I had have left it longer, (laughs) but, um, but I did let them come in a couple of days time, certainly not immediately because it's such a sacred time and you're tired and you really just need to rest. And, um, again, family like our, our values as a family is that our family sort of needs to come first and we had two sons that needed to understand that there was a little sister and that that takes a little bit of time and and I think you need to be gentle with that um those early days um so lots of laying in lots of um heated up meals that had been prepared earlier and saying no to people who were well meaning but just really needed to um stay away until you know um most sort of people i tried to hold off for a good 4 weeks and not everyone takes that well but it it, it really doesn't matter it's what you need to do because if you don't if you ignore that instinct if you ignore that god given instinct i think it leads to burnout and it leads to things like mastitis you know um i have a really big milk supply so i know now that those early days are about basically treating um my breast like like the baby I've got to watch them really closely. I've got to monitor them. I've got to make sure there's no blockages. Um, and the other thing I did after River and, and you know, this is controversial and you've got to do what feels right for you and, and research it certainly, but I did placenta encapsulations. So um, consuming yeah. of placenta that's been dried and put into capsules and, and look, I found that to be tremendous. I'd prayed about it. I felt at peace about it and had lots of midwife friends who had recommended it. And, um, I dipped fairly low after the two boys in terms of um, uh, maybe susceptibility to a bit of um, not depression, but just baby blues kind of thing. So I knew if I was susceptible to that, I needed to prepare myself for that. So I did the placenta thing, and you know what? It was it was just such a blessing. We got through that time so beautifully. So I believe that home birth the Mm. placenta thing, keeping people away and nourishing ourselves with food that I cooked well in advance. The whole thing worked together to blanket and cocoon our family in this very vulnerable time.
0: Mm. Absolutely. And Um, Your physical body, you know, when did you start feeling or what did it feel like for you in your body those first few days, you know, that Mm. transition? um, There's so many hormones Mm. that change, you know, in those first few days Mm -hmm. when the milk comes in and um, and then... Yeah, so what did it feel like in those first few days? And then when did you start feeling like, oh, this is this is me again, this is my body, you know, my mm-hmm. muscles have mm-hmm. gone back into place, mm-hmm. you know, my organs are back where they were before, you know, the nine months. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to give the impression that it's, you know, that home birth is the ultimate. Um, it's certainly not for everyone. But personally, I really did repair and restore a lot quicker after River's birth than the boys and she was my third birth um and I think the difference was just realizing that like I remember sending my midwife a message a text message after Jair, like a week after going okay what stomach exercises do I need to do to to start you know doing this and she just kind of <laughs> laughed and sent back this message like are you kidding just <laughs> relax enjoy your baby like everything was I think, I think um, young first-time moms get so wrapped up in all the emails, like you sign up to all these emails that try to – and you get the magazines from the hospital and you think that it's a, a very methodical tick-the-box process. And by baby number three, I'd very much given that away and, and realised that it is just – it's so simple. It's really grassroots level. It's look after – your yourself and and snuggle in and ignore the house and I get it. It's hard to do, but I think you know it's almost um, scriptural, isn't it? The more you um, just kind of submit, just give in, like like um, hand over to God, the more He can do do His work through you. And I honestly feel like it's like that with motherhood. The more we fight it, or feel like it needs to be a battle it's just stepping out of that Hmm. grace zone yeah so my body healed really quickly by being at home and um you know baby wearing laying in in bed lots of cuddles with the family in bed and very gently beginning to walk around the yard and enjoy the sunshine and let the dog meet the baby and um, gentle walks down the road to the park when you feel like it and gosh, I think that was like a month later, you know. Um, and I, I, I did have other children to look after. But as I said, Jace and I were on the same page in terms of, um, you know, being involved in that together. And I think that's important, you know. Bath time, he was happy to help with bath time or take over bath time and and take over heating up dinner and stuff like that. So, yep. so my body healed really nicely, really quickly. And I do believe the placenta capsules um, helped with that as well. There was... Interestingly, less bleeding after my birth with River. And yet she was the most, she was the escape artist. She came out in such a hurry. Such a <laughs>
0: wow. And is there anything else you want to, I'm going to ask you three questions, which I ask all the guests, but is there anything else that mm-hmm. you, you know, you just want to like touch on or feel like you just want to mention before we jump into those questions?
1: Mm. Yeah, certainly. I think the one thing that I'd really love to pass mm-hmm. on to listeners, um, and it's such an honour to be able to have the space to even say it, but, um, you know, the, the, the less you fear, it doesn't matter whether you're a Christian or not or whether you're in hospital or not. Or it, the women the world over who have birthed well and, and, and come out of it feeling empowered and enriched and the experience has blessed them, have done it understanding that, that fear doesn't need to be a part of it. And in such a fear-mongering culture, I want to say that if you work at really embracing um, the truth that you were designed to birth, that you would, your body was designed to do this and do it well, and that if you condition your mind and you, you know, you certainly recognise fear but you, it's not a part of your story, Um, faith rises up more than the fear, then the experience will be far better than if you had listened to great aunt Flo talk about all her horrible Mm. birth stories. (laughs) I really believe that fear is the enemy of a blessed birth in in all respects, mental and physical and and afterwards too. So, um, you know, I just wish that women could be blessed with the understanding um, just like a, a, a knowledge, just imparted into their mind and their heart, that you can do this, and you're empowered, and you can take back that power at any point.
0: That is just life changing words. That is li- those are life changing <laughs> words right there. Oh my goodness, yeah. that's brilliant. That's really brilliant, Danny. Wow. Yes. Good,
1: Steph. I'm happy <laughs> that that's great
0: oh so good okay let's jump into the the three questions so the first one is what did you buy or get given for around a hundred dollars or less um that was most valuable to um your journey with river and um oh I think the most common answer so far has been, you know, baby carriers um, because they they do fit yes. that kind of price tag and they're so valuable. Um, okay. So either, you know, you can mention your yep. journey with that or if
1: there's something else that comes to mind. Mm, I want to say something really awesome and like philosophical, like, you know, the passion translation of the Bible <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> but um, honestly I, I do believe that I was given a a, a woven a beautiful woven um, pink wrap because in this person's words um, when you have a you know y- your first daughter, you should have a wrap that um, is special for her and that can be passed on and that was a beautiful pink Ellaville wrap and every time I wrapped her in that I just felt that, um, reaffirmation of her story of this beautiful empowered experience it was really lovely I mean she started off in her brother's stretchy hugger bub and it was bright blue so you know whatever but that that beautiful wrap was just like a I almost feel like an initiation like a handing on of of something that like a baton like here you go you did it you know and and here is this really special beautiful gift for you um, the other thing that I want to mention you know is um and it's not It's not about material possessions at all, but my um, my mum gave me a a gold cross that Mm -hmm. had been hers and I don't really wear sort of necklaces, but um, I have this gold cross that she gave me and it was just like a symbol of, I don't know, just she wasn't there, she wasn't a part of the the birth journey, but I think it was her way of saying, um, you know, I'm proud of you. And um, so sometimes I think that, you know, uh, like when my sisters had a baby, I have thought, what can I give her that's really special, that that actually initiates this time? Because we don't do that in mm, this culture. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. I love that as a symbol and um, a piece of jewelry for the mother as well. You know, so often it's all about yeah. like the, the things that um, we're buying for the baby and preparing the space for the child. And But like actually to yeah. think about giving a gift and receiving a gift for yourself, that's mm. actually really special and lovely. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that's cool. Oh, it's beautiful. I love that.
1: Yeah, I love that idea. And I try to remember that when, when mums have a baby now. So yeah, yeah. yeah,
0: that's really cool. Um, the second question is, uh, and we have pretty much covered it, it's um just practical advice for the postpartum first couple of days. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Maybe the one thing I didn't add, we did talk about the practical stuff, um, but maybe one thing is really protect your heart. I can't say that maybe loud enough in terms of you know um if there are people and even family that you know are not going to line up with what you're doing and i mean let's be honest you know great grand is always going to have a a chop about something that they did in their day that you're not doing or should be doing or whatever Um, and we can love those people through those comments most certainly but Those early days are such a sensitive time in terms of hormones and family dynamic and the newness of this sacred time. And so I would say really protect your heart. And I don't mean this, um, you know, any other way other than in love, but just be careful about people and and being careful of who you actually allow into your sacred family space in those early days Mm -hmm. and weeks. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean we don't love them it just means they might come in a few more weeks time we can better Yeah, them, I love you know? that.
0: That's so true. Yeah, putting a boundary <laughs> in place doesn't doesn't um you know, uh, mean we love them any less. It just means that we are yeah. prioritizing the the values that we actually care about. So yeah, I think that's that's really Absolutely. important. Yeah, and and not feeling guilty about that as well. That's really cool. Um yeah. And Okay, and then the last question is if you had a billboard and um, you could put a message on it for pregnant women um, to see, what would it say?
1: Oh, gosh. Can I say oh, two things or just two one? things.
0: I'd love it to say two things. You can have two billboards, <laughs> two imaginary billboards. I'm,
1: I'm, be- I'm being gluttonous here. <laughs> um, one would say... um uh, choose faith, mm-hmm. not fear. And th- I, I think that would probably be in the lead up to birth. And then I wish that everyone could drive past a billboard once they'd had their baby, maybe going home or whatever, or visiting family for the first time that says in beautiful, bright colors with like this picture of Jesus with his arms wide open. And it says, trust your God-given instincts. <sighs> Yes, 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 and it could be one of those like electric ones where Jesus is like <laughs> smiling and waving. That would be so beautiful. I would love that. <laughs> those
0: fluoro ones. Yes, it's perfect. That's perfect. Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah. Because everyone, everyone wants to tell you what to do. At the end of the day, everyone's going to have something to say, but you get to decide um, for your little fam- family whether that's right mm. or not. And that's just so. Again, that's empowerment. Mm. You know, beyond Absolutely. birth
0: absolutely Mm -hmm. oh this conversation has just encouraged my heart i feel so so blessed um to just um to hear your words hear your wisdom uh it's 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 so authentic and um and not only do you have pearls of wisdom you're also hilarious and i love following you on instagram (laughs) because it's just so entertaining (laughs) and thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us i really really appreciate it you're welcome you're welcome. It's an honor. okay. Thanks. Bye, Dan. bye Danny. <laughs> bye bye.